Today on the show, we amplify the voice of multi-hyphenated entrepreneur Don Michelle Hardy. In today's chat, we discuss Don's journey in the world of PR and publishing, along with her mission of being an advocate for authors. If you're a writer or an inspiring one, she's also dropping major gems in this session that could qualify as a certified masterclass. We're talking everything from the book cover to pitching your literary works to an agent. Listen in as we chat with the literary lobbyist herself, Don Michelle Hardy. Welcome to Melanated Conversations. Our narrative perspective. Here on the podcast, we are amplifying the voices of Black women and sharing their powerful stories of transformation. I'm Tyrion. And I'm Yana. Let's start the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes. Welcome back to another episode of Melanated Conversations. I'm your host, Yana. And I'm your co-host, Tarian. And again, you guys, welcome back to the show. So today we have a special treat for you. Yeah. We have a lovely guest, Ms. Don Michelle Hardy, the literary lobbyist. Mm-hmm. And she's going to share with us today and drop of some knowledge for us. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm excited for this episode. Yes. Yeah, so, I'm excited for all our episodes. Oh, what are we talking about? Yes, absolutely. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of a little bit about Dunn. So Dunn Michelle Hardy holds dual titles in publishing. She's a book publicist and literary agent. She affectionately is known as the literary lobbyist. Dunn is currently looking for sharp, witty, humorous, and socially responsible narratives for millennials, best-in-class professionals, cultural critics, TV film gurus, and podcast hosts with subjects speaking to society at large, and high-platform women writing for women in the areas of mind, body, and soul. Her list includes a biography on Nicki Minaj, NBA All-Star Allen Iverson, the Super Bowl-winning Seattle Seahawks, and the New York Jets, along with a memoir that was adapted to the screen with the Sci-Fi Channel, an essay collection, and a forthcoming narrative on self-care for Black women publishing in 2021. Yeah. Don Michelle Hardy has aided novelists and nonfiction authors for 17 years on their climb to publishing success by using strategic promotions to expand their readership, build their brands, win awards, and garner national and local media attention. She is an award-winning publicist, conference speaker, and sought-after book publishing consultant who believes that promoting writers and their work are truly about discoverability, access, and an entrepreneurial approach. Her clients have won a wide range of awards, including the IPPY, USA Best Book Award, Eric Hoffer Award, and a sports narrative that was shortlisted for the Penn ESPN Award for Literary Sports Writing. Don is president of Dream Relations PR and Literary Consulting and the brainchild behind Publishing in Your Pajamas, 
a virtual writers conference that educates and empowers aspiring and debut authors. She has a sweet spot for women's fiction written by marginalized creatives and memoirs and nonfiction narratives written by African-American men. Some of the authors she has serviced with book publicity include Sadiqa Johnson, Jane Allen, Tia Williams, Clint Smith, Dee Watkins, Steve Eugene Carter, and From the Block to the Boardroom by Tracy Syfax. So welcome to the show. Uh, help me in welcoming Mrs. Dawn Michelle Hardy, the literary lobbyist. Woo! Hi, ladies. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I've had this marked on my calendar. I'm excited to speak with you. Yes, we're excited too. Yes, absolutely. So, ooh, well done. We'll get to more. a lot. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait to chat about that. Um, you have done a lot. <laughs> and, no, no. and we definitely want to hear more about it in your own words. But before we actually, you know, get started, we always like to kickstart our show with a little round of rapid fire questions. Yeah. Oh, okay. So um, we'll fire out a few questions and Terry and I will actually answer these too. So um, we don't want you to feel like you're left hanging on this, right. but um, <laughs> we'll throw out the first question. So you, you got it, you sure. got it Terry? Sure. All I'm right. going to go here. Is that okay? All right. All right. Cool. So Don, are you more productive at night or in the morning? Oh, definitely in the morning. In the morning. Definitely in the morning. Yeah. Why do you why do you say you're more productive in the morning opposed to at night? Um, for me, because uh now I have this regimen of getting up at six AM. So I know that from six AM to ten AM I'm I'm well rested, but I also know that most times no one has emails or is gonna call me that early. Mm-hmm. Once the nighttime comes, I feel like a lot of people, even if they don't want to, wind up working later than they would in the day. So, you know, and I have clients on the West Coast. So a client on the West Coast at nine o'clock at night for me is only six o'clock for them. So they'll continue to communicate all the way until midnight, but they're not communicating with me at three in the morning. Mm. So for me, it's better to start my day early um, because I literally have no one bothering me for the first four hours when I wake up. Nice. Nice. I'm I'm with you on that. I am a way more productive in the morning. Mm-hmm. Probably not so much this morning, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> I just feel like if if something's going to get done, it's got to get done at least before, like by like by the end of the day, four o'clock. I'm tapped out, and the only and I say I'm tapped out because then that kids are coming home from school, and I'm in yeah. full mommy mode and wife mode in the afternoon, and so. That's where the rest of my energy is going. Um, so yeah. I, you know, if I'm gonna be, if I'm gonna be productive, it's gotta be six thirty, three o'clock. Then after that, it's gonna be hard to get anything out of me. Done yeah, work-wise. I definitely agree. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna make it three for three. All right, a.m. <laughs> Come on. Um, I definitely. It's crazy because I wasn't always a. Uh, quote unquote early bird. Yeah. Um as a matter of fact, I hate it get it up early. But um now really? it's like I am up before the rooster crows. Yes, like you are. my day usually begins around three fifteen, three thirty ish in the morning. Um, oh my God. Really? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it it didn't start uh, I guess I started getting up around that time maybe about um a few months ago, maybe two or three months mm-hmm. now. Um Well then what time do you go to bed then? 
So here's the thing. So because I get up so early, around about six, seven o'clock, I have to have like a quick maybe 30 minute nap. <laughs> and then yeah. And then I go to bed about um, 10, 10 at the latest. Okay. You still so, yeah, still, yeah it's still, I need that little power nap. Gotta though. get that nap in. Okay. In the of the day. That's why I, but, if I send you stuff, I don't hear from you for like that hour, hour and a half. I, now I know. Yes, She's taking a power yeah, nap. Yeah, I'm taking a power nap. But yes, <laughs> I, but because I'm getting up so early now, um, I feel so accomplished by the time like eight and nine o'clock hits. Yeah. So my motto is now is just win before 10. If I can get all my things done by 10 a.m., I'm good. So solid, solid. Got it. Okay. So yeah. Um, Morning, people. Okay. So we have one more question. Sure. So next question that I have is, and it's it ties in actually with our conversation today too. And I thought this would be a good lead in before our discussion. What okay. would you say? Um, what book had the most significant impact on you? Oh my goodness! You know, like uh, when people find out that you work in book publishing. I feel like most publishing professionals um, get asked that get asked that question and actually have like a solid answer. Where it's like, oh yes, this book from Maya Angelou, or no, for me, um, I don't. I don't really have one. I would say, you know what I think? For me, I'm gonna say, and it's, oh, it's probably so cliche, but I'm gonna say Becoming by Michelle Obama, but mm. not for the reasons that you probably think. So for me, working in publishing. Only 1% of the publishing professionals who might be editors, agents, marketing, publicists within the publishing industry are people of color. Only 1%. Mm. So with that said, whenever there's a book that is written by a person of color that basically takes the publishing industry by storm in the way that Becoming did with Michelle Obama, it's such a wide open door because now publishers are looking for more like that. If you weren't the publisher that published Becoming, you're now looking for your own Becoming by someone maybe of that caliber or just you just want to have a really big book by a woman of color that can um, that can make some type of, you know, inroads the way uh, the way Becoming did. So for me as a publishing professional, I was so excited to see that Michelle Obama's book sold a million copies in the first week because that is just unheard of. Yeah. It's, it's never happened before. And it was the number one selling uh, memoir for the year mm. of 2019. The year's not over, but it's definitely the number one selling memoir for the year. So that book just being written by a woman of color, me being a woman of color working in publishing and just knowing that the entire industry bowed down to the amazing work that Michelle Obama did. And then her book sold also overseas. It's, it's, it's a proud moment for me. So I feel like for the rest of my time in publishing, this will always be a book that I'll refer to simply because it was written by a woman of color and broke every rule and every award and milestone that was available. Wow. So yeah, I've been coming by Michelle Obama. Yeah. Yes. Well, I like where you went, Don. I do too. <laughs> I have like... <laughs> I was like, oh, how do I follow up to that? <laughs> but no, I'm kind of like you. I don't really have, I can't really just name, actually, I just can't name just one book because I feel like I just have a collection of different books that have all played some part of kind of, you know, having an impact on me. But I will say this year, um, one book that was, it's more for me, I feel like it's also a workbook as well as it is a book more so than anything. Okay. Is the artist way, um, yes, by Julia Cameron? Yes, okay. yes. It really helped, like 
unlock a lot of like things. For me, it was more just, you know, getting more mindset around and getting, you know, getting back into the groove of writing for me. But yes, I just to keep it short and sweet. Um, the Artist Way by Julia Cameron. It is I feel like it's a classic. Most people have already heard have heard of it. Um, but it's yeah. it's one that is on top of my list. Well, I'm going to keep on the theme of women authors as well. And I, the one thing I think this year that I purposed to do was <laughs> number one, read more books because I'm more of a movie person. Yana will tell you that. This is true. Um, Number two, definitely read books who are by women of color, black women specifically, uh, not just women of color. And Yana also knows that my faith plays a huge part in everything that I do. And so I wanted to make sure that I, I read books by by women of color who happen to be in the faith circle. And so I got this book for my birthday, but it is it's called His Testimonies, My Heritage, and it's by Christy Anya Buile. And it is simply a devotional book that is forwarded by Christy. But in each segment of the book, they break down, I think it's Psalm 100 or something like that. And it is simply all women, of only women of color their perspective on the word of God, which I love because there's so many. Yes, there's so many authors and, you know, (laughs) without going down a rabbit hole. I would definitely love to to read that. So please make sure when you follow up, like send me the title of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. But we know how things can get whitewashed and all that different stuff. And so it is specifically from women of color and their their words and reconciling the word of God and, and how they how they view it and tying those things in together with their experiences. So I loved it, loved it, loved it. Highly recommend it. His Testimonies, My Heritage by Christine Ani- Ani- nice. Boulay. I feel like I, I made a mistake. I didn't I didn't give a <laughs> a, a woman of color. Oh, author, I thought you did. I'm sorry. I'm going to drop one real quick. Go I'm going to move straight on. Come on. It's Shonda Rhimes, Year of Yes. Period. I love her book. Yes. And we'll continue on. There you go. <laughs> go all right so oh that was that was fun that was a lot of fun (laughs) so okay let me throw out the first question don because you know our listeners want to they're here for you Mm -hmm. you know they don't want to hear about us so my first question for you is what is your origin story can you tell us a little bit more about you yeah um Oh my goodness, I feel like with having done so many interviews over the years, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I've told my origin story so many times. So um, my background, I went to school for fashion. Really? I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City uh, to become a fashion stylist and a visual merchandiser. And after doing that for about five years after I graduated, I wanted to change career paths because in order for me to get to the next level, I would have to move from New York to California with the company that I was with and I wasn't interested in that. So a colleague suggested um, that while I try to figure out what I wanted to do next, that I take this part-time job uh, that was offered to her to be an assistant to an author. The author was Terry Woods, author of Truth to the Game, which is an urban fiction novel, which is also now available um, on Netflix. It's the film starring Columbus Short. So I worked with Terry for two years and because she was self-published and selling really well as a a self-published urban fiction author. This was at really the early years of self-publishing. So um, it wasn't a whole bunch of people doing it well, but she was at the the highest level. And I worked with her for two years. I met so many authors who wanted to work with me because it was just Terry and myself. 
but they were also in the same genre as her. And I was like, no, that's a conflict of interest. So when I decided to start Dream Relations PR and Literary Consulting, I sent emails and letters directly to the people that had reached out to me in those two years that I was working with Terry and basically let them know that now I'm opening up my own agency and I'm free to work with as many authors as I want because I'm running it as an agency and not working with any one particular author full time. And till this day, 15 years later, 90% of my clients have all come from referrals. So it started with me sending out that first email blast mm-hmm. and just reaching out to people, street vendors, book distributors, librarians, other authors, uh, event planners, and people just constantly are being referred to me. And and that's pretty much how I got started. I mean, out of all the things that I did when I was working with Terry, I liked the marketing and promotion part of the business the most. So that's what my agency focused on. And then for people who were on the fence about, should I try to get a literary agent or should I self-publish? I consulted with them to give them the pros and cons so that they can make a sound decision and which which way was going to be best for them. And that's, yeah, that, that's how I got my start. And that was, December 2004. Nice. Okay. Um, so Don, you've kind of given us a little bit about how you got your start working with, with authors and advocating for authors. What were your early career years like um, as a literary agent? Can you tell us a little bit about just how that was for you, how the experience was for you? So I became a literary agent. In, so I started Dream Relations PR um, and literary consulting in 2004. Mm-hmm. I became a literary agent seven years later in 2011 when I took an apprenticeship with Serendipity Literary Agency in Brooklyn, New York. And I worked with Serendipity Literary Agency for eight years. So the first six months, I just basically shadowed the president of the agency because being a literary agent, there isn't a class that you can really take. Mm-hmm. You're really learning about the publishing industry overall and how to manage an author's work and manage their career and then turn around and pitch that author's idea to a publishing company, hoping that the publishing company will offer a book deal. So because I already had eight, seven years background of being a publicist, I know what it's like to pitch an author's book. As a publicist, I'm just pitching the author's book to the media. Mm. As a literary agent, you're pitching the author's book to a publisher, to an editor, hoping that they will in turn want to acquire the book. Mm. So the pitching part was a transferable skill that I had going from publicist to agent. And it was just a matter of now you're pitching something that's not published yet. So as a publicist, the work is already done and it's a, it, it may already be with the publisher or the person that self-published it. As an agent, you're pitching the person's work that's only on their computer. Like no one has no one has seen it yet, you know, and, and you like it enough that you say, oh, you know what? I think I can sell this. I want to represent you. I like where you're going with your work. And then you uh, strike out and try to sell it. So for the first six months, I just basically shadowed the president and learned, you know, how that went. Listened to her on phone calls, looked over contracts and things of that nature to understand how the business went. My first client came because I was on Twitter sharing that I was learning this process of what it means to be a literary agent going from being a publicist and um, an entertainment journalist. His name is Esau Harris. He reached out to me and said, oh, my goodness, you're an agent now. I have an idea for a book. I would love to talk to you offline. We had a conversation. He had interviewed all of these celebrities that particular year. And Nicki Minaj was on the list. 
And I told him, I said, you know what? She's working on her sophomore album. I think that a book coming out around the time of her second album, Mm -hmm. her Barbie fans are so crazy about her. Mm -hmm. I think we can really sell a book on Nicki Minaj, a biography. And when you do biographies on celebrities, unofficial biographies, you don't need the celebrity's permission. So he had an interview with her and we include that interview in the back of the book. But we put together a proposal and I was able to um, six months after basically the apprenticeship, I signed my first client. And then one year later, um, my first book came out and that was Hip Hop Moments for Life, the unofficial biography on Nicki Minaj. And it was purchased by um, Omnibus Press, which is a music uh, publisher. So all they do is music biographies. They did one on Katy Perry. Beyonce. So that's all they do. Um, I think they did one on Britney Spears. So my first year was, you know, was, was amazing because someone reaches out to me, they have all of the things on the checklist of what I'm looking for in a client. And then the book that we decide to create is on somebody who has a really large platform. So we knew that the book was going to sell. It was just a matter of introducing Nicki Minaj to publishing industry which a lot of people had heard of her. And even Mm -hmm. if they didn't, by the time they read the proposal and and looked her up, they saw how big she was. So, you know, one of the challenges I could say was managing authors' expectations when they believe things are supposed to move a certain way. Publishing moves slow. Mm -hmm. So managing an author's expectation on, no, this is not going to happen yet. It's going to take a few more months before they get to that. That part was a little hard because for me, you know, I like, for people to believe that I'm doing a good job. And there were times where I felt like I wasn't doing enough or wasn't being appreciated enough. You know, and I had someone tell me, Dawn, you're, you're more than enough. Like a person's ignorance to the process has nothing to do with the quality of your work. They're just ignorant to the process, Mm. but your work is stellar. So, you know, that, that I would say was probably one of the biggest challenges is just managing the expectations of the authors that I work with, but also knowing that, I am doing a great job by them. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Don. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a process, man. It's a process. Sure. You said you served a little bit, t- some time as an apprentice and kind of learning. Um, and yeah. from that point into you actually starting your own agency, what kind of, what was your decision? Like, what was that point when time that you was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, it's time for me to kind of take my own work by the reins and yeah. just do this on right. my own. Yeah. So for me, so currently now, um, in 2019, I uh, decided to, well, I guess the universe decided that even though I was no longer with, uh, with that agency, that there were still authors and writers who content creators who wanted me to represent them. And they didn't care whether I was with an established agency. It was more so they wanted to work with me because Mm. anyone who works with me understands that I have dual careers, that I'm a publicist who knows how to promote your work, but I'm also an agent that can get you a book deal. So the combination of those two has created a really sweet spot for me. So a colleague reached out to me and said, um, She had a woman who was looking for an agent because um, she was in the process of getting a book deal, but she needed somebody to basically walk her through that process because it was all new to her. So I'm now representing that woman. So I started um, the Literary Lobbyist Inc. So basically the name that I use, the Literary Lobbyist, I'm now agenting under that same under that same name, because, again, being a lobbyist, you're advocating and and championing for your clients. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter whether it's 
PR or agenting, um, I'm still always advocating and championing for my clients. So after eight years of working for another agency, I wasn't going to agent anymore. I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to move on to another stream of income. That process takes so long. You know, you know, maybe I'll get into something else. Mm. But uh, several people have come recommended to me and, and they have quality projects. So by divine intervention, I believe that I was meant to continue to agent. But just the same way I do PR independently, it was meant for me to agent independently. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm agenting under um, the literary lobbyist. And once you, here's the thing, I've already done book deals. Mm -hmm. So that process is the same. I've already built a network of colleagues that I can call on when you have questions because no two books come to market the same way. So even if, you know, Yana, you did uh, two books, those two books are going to have a different testimony on the process in which they came to market. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one, the editing process might have been shorter. The other one, it might have been longer. One, you might have had good PR campaign. The other, not so much. So no two books come to market the same way. So as long as you have relationships with other professionals that you can bounce ideas off of, ask questions, get resources, I feel really confident in the fact that I'm able to do the work. And the authors that I'm working with are extremely confident and excited to be working with me. So you know, is one of those type of things where even when you say, oh, you know, I'm going to move on from this, but people are still requesting your services, you know, and again, if a person wants to write a book, the only way to get that deal is honestly having a literary agent, if that's the way you want to go. And the clients that have all signed this first go round are all authors of color. Mm-hmm. So that's important because again, earlier in the conversation, I think I mentioned that only 1% of people in publishing who are decision makers are, are of color, mm-hmm. yeah. black or brown. And so for me being an agent, knowing that there are still authors who are black and brown looking for the opportunity to get a traditional published deal, I felt that it was, I don't know, my duty, if you will, to continue to service them, even if it's just on a selected basis, simply because if I don't get them in, who will? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. And that I think that speaks to just the type of the type of person you are um, and, and how, how hard you work. Um, yeah. and, and I think we forgot to mention that cause we, we actually interviewed one of your clients. Yes. Um, that. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, back in season one, Constance G Jones, which we had an amazing yes, time. For her. Yes. yes. We had an amazing time with her. Um, and we are so looking forward to, uh, reading her book that's coming out this month. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Emerging butterfly. Yes. Thank you so much for me, by the way. Yeah. 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 No, thank you. Thank you. Um, but so my next question for you, Don, is what does a typical day look like for you in the role um, of an agent as well as a publicist? Like, how do you balance the two? And then I think a follow up question to that would be, do you take on like, do you have a certain number of clients you say, hey, I'm going to take on this many, this number of clients or, you know what I mean? So what does yeah. that look like for you? Do you have a cat? So for me, um, when it comes to the PR, like every every day is different because you're working on on different projects or different aspects. So like right now, I'm preparing a couple of campaigns for um, blog tours and physical tours that will take place in the first quarter of 2020. So sometimes it's just a day of just basically emailing bloggers and, and media outlets to see if they want to participate. Other days, I might not talk to anybody and I'm just basically doing research or assembling the materials that I'm going to send out. 
Other days, I might be brainstorming with the author on different ideas that we can come up with to basically get their um, get their work out there. And then as a literary agent, because I take on a very uh, selected amount, oftentimes the first round is, okay, I'm going to sign you. Let's go through your content, make any last minute tweaks. While the author is making their tweaks, I'm researching the list of editors in-house that I want to send the project to. Once I have that list, I put together my pitch letter. And then at that point in time, in one day, I can basically send out all of this, all of the submissions. Again, I mentioned that publishing is slow. So once I've sent out the submissions as a literary agent, it's just a waiting game for people to get back to me to say, oh, okay, don't I received your email. I'm going to read this over the weekend. Or, you know, I received your email. I'll I'll get to this in the next couple of weeks. And oftentimes in my submission letter to editors, I give them a deadline in which I would like to hear back from them um, simply because I I do nonfiction. So it's it's a short amount of time for you to read a 50 page proposal. Like that's something you could read over the weekend. Mm -hmm. You may not necessarily have the time to read a full manuscript for a novel. So you need a little bit more time. But um. Again, that process of just submitting the work, you know, I try to have Mondays as a day for myself to do things where I'm building my own brand or I'm just researching for clients, but not really having too many conversations. So I try to reserve Monday for a day for me to kind of just get my thoughts out before people begin to bombard me with their own ideas and suggestions throughout the rest of the week. And then Friday is usually... um a day where I'll take on new business conversations. So if someone reached out to me or I had an email or something came through my website and I had no communication with the person prior and they were interested in working with me, I try to have those conversations on Fridays because there won't necessarily be any heavy follow-up. And it's really just a conversation that I can have without actually doing any type of preparation for it. So Monday, I usually reserve for quiet time for myself. I'll do interviews like what I'm doing with you guys mm-hmm. um, or I'll write articles, do research, do admin work, but not really talking to any clients. So really Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays is when my weeks get really crazy. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then Friday usually slows down and that's when I can pivot and talk to um, people who want consultations or are curious about the services um, that I offer. What I do love is I know I'm the type of person who, I get bored easily. So I don't like a mundane routine. I couldn't work in a company where I'm doing the same thing every day. I don't like to wear a uniform. I don't like to do the same thing every day. Hello. So for mm. me, the work <laughs> that I do every single day is different. So even if I'm writing a press release, the press release that I'm writing on Monday, I'm going to be writing something different on Wednesday. Yeah. So even though the work might be the same, the content and the level of creativity is going to be different because the projects change. And I actually like that. I like that a lot. That's cool. I have one follow-up question. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you you spoke about Fridays are your days. If you're going to, you maybe consult with someone, someone that mm-hmm. you've never had, you know, had contact with before. Yeah. For you, what what is the deciding factor for you that says, oh, hey, like I'm definitely interested, like I want to work with this person. Or is, what's the, what's the, what's that one thing? Here's the thing. I, you know, honestly, I want to help everybody. Okay. So for me, is is you know, I'm working with a consultant now. Again, even after 15 years, it's still always something to learn. It's like, okay, Dawn, like you can help everybody, but you can't work with everybody. Right. And, and there's a difference. Right. So I'm now setting up some information-based and product-based services where 
the help will come because I can supply the information or I can supply a product that will help an author, but they may not become a client of mine. Um, so for me as an agent, I'm looking for, I think you guys mentioned it when you first did the intro of me. I'm looking for people who are high platforms, well known in, in the space that they're in, sharp, witty, strong writers, but people who already have a large platform. So someone who is, you know, if social justice for women's reproduction is, is your platform, mm. then people already know your name in that space. They've read your articles. They've seen you do interviews. They've heard you do interviews. And now you're just in a position where you might be contemplating on writing a book. Or I just see your platform is so big. And I'm like, you know what? Let me reach out to this person and see if they're interested in writing a book. Because as an agent, the author has to have a well-established platform for a publisher to want to offer them a book deal. The industry is so competitive. So if you have a desire to write a book, but no one knows you, and it's nonfiction, it's going to be really hard to sell. So for me, it's important that the authors that come to me for agenting have a large platform and platform being social media is, is, is big. You don't have to be on all of them, but whatever one you're on, you're on there, you're engaging, you have a large following, you have byline articles, you've done podcast interviews, you speak at conferences, maybe you've done a couple of TED talks, but it has to be something where your message and your brand are already out there regardless of you having a book. Because if you're already out there, then that means people show up to hear you speak already. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to have a book that you could sell to them at the back of the room? Yeah. And then that's where an agent comes in. But if nobody is looking for you or listening to you now, why would they look and listen to you just because you have a book out? There's mm. somebody else more popular that's already filling those seats. So I look for people who are already speaking and filling the seats because then it makes sense that now we just need to add a book into that room. So for me, having a, a, a large platform is important. I am now uh, branching out and looking to do some fiction, and I'm looking for uh, young adult authors who will write um, contemporary fiction, you know, yeah. anything that young people get into that they think um, would be entertaining and engaging. I'm pretty like wide open as it, as it relates to um, as it relates to that. And then as a publicist, honestly, I want to work with authors who are flexible, open-minded, and hard workers. Flexible in the sense that your vision for how you think your book should be marketed might be a little different from mine. And I would want an author to be flexible enough to say, okay, Dawn, I'm going to let you take the lead because you have more experience. And then hardworking in the fact that just because a person hires a publicist doesn't mean they have to stop doing the work. Mm -hmm. I've had people say, oh, well, you know what? Well, well, I'll pay you. Yeah, okay, but this is your book. And, and it's clear that if you're working with me, I'm also working with other people. So every author should be the CEO of their own book. You should take the lead. Mm -hmm. And I look for authors who take the lead. Even if that lead is me saying, okay, this is what the next step should be. I give them the next step and then they go and, and execute. So it's important. I like my clients to be partners. Yeah. So I'm a partner. I don't work for you. You don't work for me. We are partners and together the goal is to make sure that you have a book that is well received by the media and, and readers. And that's a partnership. So I like for my PR clients to have a partnership mindset, even even my agency clients, that, that we're partners in this thing together. And I'm going to use my resources. You'll use your resources. And together we can put out books that people love. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Part, yeah. Being a partner Again, being entrepreneurial minded, uh, being flexible in your creativity is important. 
And if you are coming to me as a self-published author, you have to have an attractive cover. That's non-negotiable. Mm. You could write like Maya Angelou, but if your cover is horrible, I can't work with you. Wow. <laughs> no, seriously, that lady, you could write like Maya Angelou, Zadie Smith, and Chimamanda all rolled up into one. If your cover is horrible, I, I, can't, I, I can't work with you. No trash covers, people. No trash covers. I'm, I'm making a note. No I'm trash covers. No done. Trash. I am making my notes. As she you've been really talking, is. I, yes, you no. know why? Because, okay, so we've all heard that cliche. Oh, don't judge a book by its cover. Now, that's true for people. Yeah. Don't judge a person by, you know, you catch a person on a sloppy day, they're coming from a gym, you know, who who knows, they could be a, a doctor or a lawyer, super smart, you yeah. just don't know. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to books, that cliche uh, doesn't apply. Books are judged by their cover. Because mm-hmm. as a publicist, if I have to pitch your book, I, I don't care that your book is self-published. I pitch my self-published authors, I pitch them in the same spaces that HarperCollins, Penguin Random House, St. Martin's, Macmillan's, I pitch my books in the same spaces that those in-house publicists are pitching their clients' books. So you're competing with traditional publishing. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to look at the product that I'm sending and saying, oh, my goodness, what is this here? Like, it can't look like your 12-year-old daughter made you a cover. Right, right. Because you're competing. I want you, I've had clients in national print media, and they've sat along the side and actually gotten full pages where other books have gotten, you know, just a thumbnail size. Again, because the, the cover was attractive. Mm. Magazines don't necessarily care. The media doesn't care if a book is self-published. They care if a book is attractive and if it's written well. So that's important for me to do my job, for me to get my colleagues to say, yes, your book has to look just as attractive and be able to compete with whatever the traditional publishing houses are putting out. And a lot of times when I meet self-published authors, the first thing I say, even before I read any chapters is, oh, well, do you have a cover? Let me see your cover first. And, and, and give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down and make any, and they have to be flexible enough to make those suggestions because I know that that's going to be a deciding factor. And whether somebody says they want to be a part of the campaign is if they like the cover or not. Right. Well, you know, and will the cover attract readers? So a lot of times authors have their own visions, but it's also because they just don't know anything about publishing and they don't know what makes a reader buy a book. You pick up a book, you look at the front cover, you're automatically then going to turn it over and see what it says on the back. And then maybe if it's nonfiction, you might open it up to the table of contents or read the first page if it's a novel. But that is the process. You pick it up, front cover, flip to the back, and then you'll open it up. So if you don't like what you see on the front, you're going to put the book down and keep it moving. So that's why it's important for the cover, the front cover to, um, to be attractive because that's the deciding factor, whether the online or offline, the first thing a person does is look if they don't like that, they're not even going to scroll down or flip over. That's it. They move on to something else. And you've lost them. No matter how great the writing might be inside, you've lost the sale. Mm. Covers are important, people. Covers are important. <laughs> yes. You heard it here yeah. first. Well, yeah. you probably didn't hear other places, but you've heard it from Don herself yeah. here on this show first. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, the cover is important. You got you to gotta bring it. And... Like I was over here just really, I have so many notes just from this portion, this segment of the show alone. And I was like, you were like, you, you want to help people. And I was like, well, I, I want to be helped. <laughs> um, I know you're saying right now you're looking for a young adult authors. I'm like, uh, I don't really write fiction or young adult um, type 
style work, but I'm an adult that's young. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I feel like you know, young, young and hard. <laughs> but no, well, um, I do not. I do nonfiction as well. Most of my list as an agent, in fact, all of my list as an agent is um, is nonfiction. Yes. So you know, it's, so that's why I look for people who have platforms. So whether they were a journalist, a TED Talk speaker. Um, a social justice activist or something of that nature. Like most of my list is nonfiction. I'm just now getting to the point where I've been reading a lot of YA young adult novels this year. And I mm-hmm. really enjoy these stories where young people put in adult situations and seeing how they handle it. You know, mm-hmm. like books like The Hate You Give, um, yeah. you know, yeah. is, is, is a prime example. Like she was put in, that was a very, an adult situation that she was put in, but to see how this teenager handle it, yeah. those books do really well. And young adult novels, um, a lot, a lot more young adult novels get adapted to, uh, for the screen, whether small screen or large screen, mm-hmm. um, than I think most other genres. So that's another thing because I want to expand and do book to film adaptations. I'm really looking for a uh, young adult novel that that could actually uh, fill that slot and possibly get adapted to the screen. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So we've kind of heard a little bit about, you know, your background and the type of work that you do and how someone can work with you. We are actually rolling into their new years. Um, yes. And I wanted to kind of get um, from your words as someone who's been on this side of the business and understands what it takes to get a book authored, like for people going into New Year, they, you know, writing a book is one of typically one of their top goals for the year. Yeah. Do you have any tips that you can offer for those interested in writing their own memoir in 2020? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So if you are looking to uh, to write a memoir, first people need to understand that like, like a memoir is just about a narrative about a particular period in your life. So it's not your whole life. So a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm, I'm writing a memoir and they're starting from the day they were born. No, no, you don't need to do that. So it's just you're just covering a particular period. So maybe it's the, the year you ran the New York City Marathon or the year you had your first child or, you know, those first couple of years after after college and how your life changed and you fell in love and so forth. So it's just you're talking about a particular season in your life and not your whole life. But one of the things that I recommend for people who are <laughs> writing a memoir is to um, is to journal and figure out what is the message. So journal whatever that particular period of, of your life is that you want to share. But then also because this is your life and most people aren't celebrities, politicians or athletes, everyday people with extraordinary stories. You need to ask yourself, what is the big message that my life will basically share with with, with readers? So in, in the case of Constance in her book, Emerging Butterfly, mm-hmm. she was a woman who experienced a series of five miscarriages. She had epilepsy. Well, she has epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Um and once her and her husband came to the conclusion that they were no longer going to try to have children because they didn't want to risk her health, they became philanthropists. So one of the messages that a person can get from that, now Constance and her, you know, she's not a celebrity, but one, there's going to be that conversation around women's fertility. Mm-hmm. It's also going to be the conversation of giving back and also the conversation of having a strong partner who is there to support you, you know, through through the good and the bad. So now, Regardless of Constance, any one of us can probably chime in to some part of that conversation. Tons of women who want to have kids and relationship and then people who are into um, 
charitable donations and, and, and giving back and community service. So you always have to ask yourself, yes, I'm telling my story, but what's the larger conversation that I can have on a national scale about parts of my story? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have a bigger conversation that can be had and no one knows you, then it's going to be really hard to sell, um, to sell, to sell your book. And I'm not even talking about sell your book to a publishing company. I'm just talking about sell your book to readers. Like a book that came out this year is called Made, M-A-I-D. And the author's name is Stephanie Land. So her book is basically about her being a maid in America and mm-hmm. like what she had to do, hard work, low pay, and a mother's will to survive. Now, even if you're not a maid, how many women can relate to that? Mm-hmm. Like having a job, whether you're high paid or low paid, just being a working mom. So anyone who is a working mom would be able to read Stephanie's book and, and get some insight and join into the conversation. And now if you're a working mom and you have a low paying job, then you really align with Stephanie because that's her testimony in her memoir made. Yeah. So again, you have, and again, Stephanie's not famous. I've never heard of her and, and, until her book came out, but this book is one of the top selling books of the year in this, in the memoir category. Wow. Winning awards and everything is actually up for Goodreads um, book of the year in the category of memoir. Hmm. So, again, if a person is looking to write a memoir, they really need to think about what is the central theme that can stir a larger conversation that goes way beyond you, way beyond you. And then, again, if you're writing a memoir, I definitely think it's good to journal so that you can get all your thoughts, different names and places you need to get all of that out on paper before you begin the writing process. So I would say journal. And again, think about what is the big message that we can start a national conversation around your experience that you want to share in your memoir. And then the third thing would be just to write every day, write every day, whether it's 300 words or 3000 words, write every day, because the more you write, the better you'll get at writing. Mm -hmm. And again, that's important. Like people buy memoirs, but what they love about them is they're written well, and it's a, it's amazing stories by the person who could be living next door to you. That's good. That's some good you know. stuff right there. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, because again, that's what most people want to do. Like every now and then there's a person who wants to write a great novel or they have a idea for a nonfiction book. Right. But I feel like a lot of people, when I got into publishing, I started, so many family and friends started telling me, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. And I'm like, really? I've never heard you say that before. <laughs> yeah. no one, no one ever, when I became a literary agent, I remember going home and my uncle said, oh, Mr. So-and-so that lives four houses down. I told him that you're a literary agent. He wants to talk to you because he wants to write a book. <laughs> Mr. So-and-so watched me grow up. I never heard him say anything about ever wanting to write a book. But now that I'm a literary agent, Mr. So-and-so wants to write right, a book. Right, right. So, <laughs> you know, like, you, so you, get, you get a lot of that. And, and again, you know, it, no one should be discouraged in doing it. But if you want people who don't know you to read it, you have to think beyond yourself and say, mm-hmm. okay, like we call it the hook. Like what's the hook? What's going to reel people in yeah. and make them want to read this book, even though they don't know who you are. Yeah. Everybody wants to read Michelle Obama's book because she was the first African-American first lady of the United States. Right. But what if, what if that same story was on paper and she was just a school teacher in Chicago? Hmm. Like what would be the part of the story that would make us want to say, I don't know this woman in Chicago, but oh my God, her story was amazing. And that's what the rest of us have to figure out. Nobody knows us. So what about our story is going to make them say, I have got to get this book. Yeah. And that, and once you figure that out, 
it's going to help the writing come a lot faster because you're going to be excited to share because you know people are going to be helped or inspired by what you've given them. Wow, that's good stuff. That's that good is. Stuff. Yeah. You are giving us a Thank whole you. master class you. right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've, been, I've, been, I've been told, I've done interviews before where I did a, um, it became a, a master, the whole interview became a session on book proposal writing. So th- these are things I like to do because again, like I said before, I can't represent everybody, but I know that I can help everybody. Yeah. So even someone who's going to turn around and, and, and listen to this interview, they're going to be like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. So huh? now they're, they're going to be just one step ahead and, and more knowledgeable than they were prior to listen to this interview. And, and that's really what I want. I want for people to understand what goes on behind the scenes, what happens in publishing when decisions are made. Because if you have that information, then when you sit back to your own computer and work on your own project, you're going to think a little bit more strategically and it won't be so personal. Yeah. You'll be able to put the personal down and say, OK, you know what? Let me get somebody to design my cover. Let me, you know, think of a new title because now you're thinking like a business person. And that's really what I want for most people who want to put a book out, whether you choose to self-publish it or get traditional deals. Just have an understanding of the business of publishing, because that is going to determine the success of your book. Yeah. And if you're open to learning that side of the business is is going to make, you know, promoting your book so much more easier. Yeah. And that's a good segue into our next point. Um, I know that um, this past November, you had your inaugural um, publishing in your pajamas writers conference. Oh, yes. It was so good. It was so good. I'm, I'm like, can you hear me smiling? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so can you? Yeah, it went really well. Yeah. Can you uh, share with our listeners a little about the conference? So as a literary agent, um, I get invited to go to a lot of different writing conferences throughout the year. And one of the things, it always starts with our people. One of the things that I noticed was there weren't a lot of people of color. And again, I've been going to conferences for almost a decade now. There, and there's not a lot of people of color that show up. So for me, I kept saying, I'm like, why are we not showing up? Is it that we don't have the money to come? We, we don't have the time, the childcare, can't get time off work. What's the reason? So for me, that's always lingered over the years in the back of my mind. Um, and then I did an interview uh, on another podcast, and I basically was giving some tips and advice on things that authors can do from the comforts of home. So saying like, listen, even if you only have $500 to spend, here are some things that you can do where you don't even have to leave your house or spend a lot of money to help in the promotion of your book. So then I started thinking, I'm like, okay, I've given promotional ideas where a person can stay at home. People aren't showing up at these conferences um, the, the way our white counterparts are. How can I be of service? I have these relationships. I have this knowledge. How can I get this to people where they don't have to worry about travel and lodging? And then I came up with publishing in your pajamas, a virtual writers conference. So I'm basically taking the same layouts that they do at major publishing companies. So I started out, I did the welcoming address. And then I personally taught uh, a workshop on memoir writing. But then throughout the rest of the day, there was someone that taught on children's books. There was a literary agent who discussed managing uh, the agent-author relationship and how to go about getting an agent. There was someone who spoke about um, how to put together a book proposal, someone who spoke about how to build your author platform from scratch and how to leverage uh, Amazon reviews as an author. I had two authors come on and do live readings 
Oh my goodness. Uh, someone spoke about um, Instagram for authors, which was amazing. So really doubling down and showing authors how to promote their books on Instagram. I had an editor from HarperCollins talk about um, the need for diverse voices and what she looks for as an editor in-house. I had a former um, editor from Simon & Schuster talk about how you as an author should be empowered and what you need to know so that when you get an agent and you get a deal, you feel more confident in making decisions because you're not leaving it up to everybody else because you don't have the, the knowledge and the understanding of how the industry works. So it went really well. I'm actually in a process now um, of selling the replay and I'll be selling the replay um, throughout the month of January into Black History Month. Because again, it's so important for people to get this information. Mm -hmm. It was literally, it was supposed to be eight hours. It was eight hours and 51 minutes. It was, it was so good. It was so good. Some of the presenters actually, you know, they, they came in and basically stayed for the entire day. I had one friend say, Oh, you know what, Dawn, I'm going to watch a couple sessions and then I'll watch the replay later on because it's, you know, it's a Saturday. She wound up watching the entire conference. She stayed on the whole eight hours and 51 minutes. My goodness. So eight hours and 51 minutes and you're hearing from a diverse group of professionals across the country from East Coast to West Coast who have different positions. And half of my speakers were also authors. So the woman who spoke on writing a book proposal, she also has a book with Hay House. So it's not just her talking in theory. Mm -hmm. She had to write a book proposal to get that book deal with Hay House. You know, so I had people who understood what it means to be an author. And also at the same time, how the the best way to go about it. So it went so well. I'm actually now casting for the spring 2020 publishing in your pajamas, which is going to solely focus. All the speakers are going to talk about marketing and promotion. So I have somebody that's going to talk social media. Another person is going to talk about how to pitch to the radio. Another person is going to talk about how to work with book clubs and organize book events. Um, another person is going to talk about how to book yourself for speaking engagements. So all of the speakers are going to speak to different promotional aspects because I recognize that in the book publishing process, whether you're independent or traditionally published, the main challenge that all authors have is promoting their book. So I'm like, you know what? This conference is going to be dedicated. So we're going to do another eight hours, but it's solely dedicated to promotion. Right. Yeah. So speaking of promotion, promotion, let me know yeah. if you let me know if you need a speaker that talks about using podcasting as a way to yeah, promote your I'm book. A, I'm actually I'm actually working on that too. I think I'm going to do um I'm putting together a panel and and that's something that I can definitely uh double back to you, Yana, to uh, to talk about. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Like, what makes a good guest? What kind of materials uh, authors need to have prepared? Because again, my conference also is a virtual writers conference. But also in the description, I say that it's for aspiring and novice writer. Mm. So it is for people who are new to um, new to the process. So, you, you know, you might be on your fourth book and you'll definitely obviously you can learn something about using Instagram, because if you're on your fourth book, I'm sure when your first book came out, there was no Instagram. They may not have even been any social media. So everyone who participates can learn something from it. But I definitely have a sweet spot for people who are doing this for the first time. So either you're thinking about writing a book or you just released your first book or you're preparing to release your first book. So I make sure that the content is easy to understand, but also rich in content so that you literally come away and say, oh, my goodness, 
I'm so excited. I know what to, what to do. And that's what I've been getting people's feedback. It's like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I'm watching the replay on the children's book session one more time before I start pitching to an agent. So people are watching it and then making revisions to their work and then putting their work out there. That's super cool. Don. So yeah, so the, uh, the website is publishing in your pajamas.com. And like I said, um, the replay is, is, is always available. I'm running a promotion now that will run throughout uh, Black History Month. And the spring 2021 is going to be in um, April oh. of uh, 2020. Duly noted. And like I said, the theme for that is going to be marketing, promotions, and publicity. Well, Don, I think that is super cool, super awesome. You guys, y'all heard it. April 2020, get ready for the next um session. session so yeah. but you don't have to wait for your next session you know coming up no, in february you can right. get that's you can right actually get that oh, that's, the, that's the intro get caught up so, yeah before you get yeah, I, would, I would i would tell people I, I love using instagram for the purpose of connecting with people who have heard me on different podcasts and things of that nature so i would encourage people to follow me on instagram at the literary lobbyist and if they've they've heard this podcast interview to basically slide into my dm and and tell me you know, that they've they're heard, heard the podcast, they're interested in the conference, and I'll, I'll send them the information. Um, the, the conference is held on, on Webinar Jam. So at this point in time, like, the replay is available. Um, it's $97, and people can go and purchase it and, and watch it when they want. So you just have to contact me directly, and I'll send them the link in which they could uh, begin watching after they paid. All righty. Well, Don, yeah. as we get ready to kind of wrap things up a bit, I have I have one more question for you before we sure. go into our closing questions. As an, as an entrepreneur, um, we have to be very intentional about taking time out to incorporate mm-hmm. self-care, right? So how do yes. you relax, relate, and release? What do you do uh, on uh, your, your special time to take care of yourself? My special time? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love to take uh, a bubble bath. I have a nice garden sized tub here in my um, in my home. I, I like I like bubble baths and just like to listen to music. And I like to wash my hair and then take a bubble bath. Um, I like that a lot. But then also for me, I'm a big sports fan. So most people who know me, even when you look at my body of work, I've done several sports books. Mm-hmm. I genuinely love basketball and football very, very much. Um, I love the Olympics. I, I love physical. Comp- I love physical competition. What's so, your team? Um, Who's your funny. team? Oh, Seattle Seahawks. As it come when it comes to football, I love Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, the coach. Mm-hmm. And then as a basketball uh, fan, I got started watching Michael Jordan when I was like in high school. Yeah. Um, and obviously, he's not playing anymore. So now I'm really into players. So I really like. Russell Westbrook, who is currently playing for yeah, um, yeah. the Houston Rockets mm-hmm. alongside James Harden. So those are the two teams. So basketball right now, I'm really into uh, the Houston Rockets. You know, I'm from Brooklyn, so I always root for, for Brooklyn as long as they're not playing James Harden and Russell Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any college teams you, you like? What you say? Do you have any college teams that you, you watch or are you no, just straight pro? Crazy because for me, because I went to a fashion school and I didn't go to like one of these larger universities, I don't really follow college football or basketball because yeah. for me, I don't, I don't know any students at those schools. Like my nephew goes to uh, Virginia State University. So in 2019, Virginia State won uh, the CIAA championship, mm-hmm. and that was here in Charlotte, where I live. So that was fun because I went to those games, and obviously I was rooting for that school because my nephew goes there. But as far as, like, the big games that come on ESPN, I don't know anybody that's ever gone to those schools, so I'm like, eh. 
you know, these, these, these are amateurs. Like I can't get into college sports the way I am into um in, in into professional sports. Got it. You know, I, yeah, I've tried it. This doesn't really. And, and I live in North Carolina, so there's no shortage of schools and teams here. You're right. But I, about I don't. That. Yeah, I, I can't get in. I can't get into college. So I, I like professionals. I well, like professionals. I was actually speaking of Charlotte. I know we're switching gears here for a second. Um, but I was actually in Charlotte uh, for Thanksgiving. And um, oh. yeah, my brother-in-law lives out there. Um, but we, we went to this restaurant. I don't know if you've heard of it. This cute little brunch spot called the Famous Toastery. Have you ever heard of it? Yes. Yes. It's so good. Yes. So, so there's, good. There's lot, that's one thing. There's a lot of good food out here in Charlotte. There's a lot of good food. So that would be the other thing. Like brunching, brunching is another way to, um, to, to relax and release. Cause I work out. I'm actually in the process of beginning my training for the 2020 New York city marathon. Wow. So it requires me to, to eat a certain way during the week. So part of my self care now is going to be that I'm going to get to have indulgent uh, Sunday brunches. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I'll be training and fueling up and like, okay, listen, you know, on Sundays, I'm not eating kale. I'm not eating kale. Period. Yeah. <laughs> on, on Sundays, I want some bacon and, and some shrimp and grits. I want all of that. Come on. <laughs> and a mimosa. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. So I'm just going to put it out there. Um, sometime in 2020, we're going to meet you um, at the brunch spot. What going to the famous toastery. We're going to meet yes. you at the famous toastery on Sunday <laughs> for brunch. I like it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we, we so can, you know, um, our mutual uh, colleague, Elaine, and doing some meetups. But I definitely want to do um, do more of that. Even with just like the work that I do in, in publishing, like what I'm trying to do now is as I travel to different cities and, and I'm getting booked for stuff, I try to make sure that I can carve some time before I leave that town to actually just have a meetup yeah. with uh, people who may be interested in, in, in writing books simply because I'm in town. So mm. it's always nice to get a face to face with somebody when they're actually in town um, because then I just feel it makes the online communication that much more personable because you've met at yeah. least one time um in person so we totally can meet so yana you're in dallas Texas. where are you texas yes in the dallas area okay and uh terry and where are you same 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 yep oh you both oh uh, well duh i did see the video <laughs> that city. Oh, i don't know if you know unless, we're cousins unless, unless that was a hologram unless no. that was a hologram no <laughs> no yeah we live about 15, 15 20, 20 minutes away right? from each other we're actually cousins oh, okay okay <laughs> yeah like we We'll definitely get together in 2020. Like I'm being very intentional about that. Um, so we'll see each other sooner than later for sure. Yes, absolutely. Super exciting yes. to do that. And speaking of 2020, um, as we get ready to close, we have a couple questions for you as we wrap for the day. We like to always ask like one uh, main question to wrap the show. And last year, well, in 2019, we talked more about kind of what's your one song. If you could, you know, Give us your one song that would represent you for the year. But now I kind of want to segue into 2020. So okay. what would you, if you could choose one power word for 2020, what would your power word be and why? Mm, power word. Um, power word. Let's see. Well, that's a, ooh, girl, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Resilient. Resilient. Oh, that's a good one. I yeah, I have a close friend who um who told me how proud he was of me because he he sees that I have a resolve um in in personal situations where most most times um women struggle struggle in those areas and I realize 
because I'm going into 2020, because this is going to be year 16 and things are changing and I'm, I'm trying to find that sweet spot in which I can automate and, and grow my business exponentially. I know that it's going to take um, a lot of resilience to make those moves happen, but also knowing that I already am resilient. Yeah. So even when I doubt myself, like I have 15 years of stories behind me to say, listen, you are resilient. Yeah. Look at this this case look at this case but also say okay and moving forward continue to be resilient because that's the only way to get it done like you know because life isn't easy life isn't fair but if you're resilient then you can always obtain the goals that you're trying to set for yourself so i I would say resilient and i'm actually going to write that on write that on a post-it and and put it on the mirror like mary jane go ahead girl oh girl i live for the post go ahead Yes, I have I have posters on my mirror now. Yes, I do. Come on, come on. All right. So yeah, I'm, I was I would say resilience for me. It's about being resilient, continuing to be, and and just knowing that I already am. Yes, I love, I that. love that. that. That's perfect. That's perfect. That's All right. A nice question. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last closing question. Are there yeah. are there any personal projects in the works for you for in coming uh for 2020? We know you've got yes, your publishing in so the pajamas, but what yeah. else you got going on? So, um, so two things, because I definitely will be circling back to you ladies uh, once I have my cover art. So um, in November of 2019, I did a closing keynote at a conference called the Society of Children's Writers and Book Illustrators. And that presentation was basically how to promote your book like a publicist. And it was so well received by the authors. Um, Some of the authors basically started working on stuff the next day and sent me screenshots of what they had done. So I spoke to a consultant and I'm now going to turn that presentation into an ebook. Mm. So I'm working on that now. So for years, people have said, oh, John, you should write a book. And I'm like, oh, write a book about what? I don't really know. Um, but now I know what it is because, again, the number one challenge that all authors have is the promotion and marketing and publicity of their book. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all ongoing, no matter how many books they have. So in the spring of 2020, I will officially become an author. Um, by pinning my first um, ebook, which I'm really, ex- I'm really excited about it because I know the type of content that's going to be in there and I know it's going to help authors. So I'm really excited about that. I'm actually going to do, do a cover reveal and a whole pre-order campaign because the book is, um, you know, will be, will be electronic. It'll be easy for people to get it. So I'll definitely share that information with you guys. Cause I would love for your platform to be part of the cover reveal when I, mm-hmm. um, when I show the cover. And so Absolutely. that's going to be yeah. spring 20, but spring 2020 is going to be an exciting time. It's the second publishing in your pajamas conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will be releasing my ebook and I am working with Keisha Johnson and we're going to do um, a webinar yes. to basically serve, wow. as a prelude. Yeah, a, serve as a prelude to, um, to the publishing in your pajamas. So she's going to do a special presentation with me on Pinterest for authors. Nice. So again, the presentation is solely going to show authors how they can leverage Pinterest as a platform for promoting their books. Oh, yes. That is going to be awesome. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm excited about that as well, because, again, I know what authors need and I know there's so many different creative ways to get things done. They just can't think about them all. So until yeah. somebody sits you down and says, this is how you do it. You know, you, you just don't know. You just don't know. So we have that schedule. Then again, if people are following me on Instagram at the literary lobbyist, I will start um, 
right after Christmas, we'll, we're um, going to start promoting it. Awesome. That's, oh, I can't wait. So just a little sidebar, you guys. So um, I know I shared, actually, we had Elaine Fluker on our podcast on season one, Mm -hmm. and she has the mastermind group supported sexy mastermind. Um, That's how we all got connected. We met Don as a part of this group, and Keisha Johnson, who she's mentioning as well. Um, So I just love that we all like, Connecting and working together. Yes. Honestly, that's so dope. That really is so dope. Yes. Like, it just goes to show, you know, the power and collaboration over competition. Yes. Amen. Say that again. Yes. I said it shows the power of collaboration over competition. I love that. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. More of that (laughs) in 2020. All of that. All of it. All right, Don. Well, it has been such a great um, conversation that we've had with you. Just one final thing before we do wrap. Can you provide our listeners as well uh, with, um, again, just with your handles and how they can get connected with you, learn more about what you have going on? Oh, absolutely. So on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash dream relations PR that's where you can find stuff about the agency but I also post up um any promotions writing articles promotional articles book events and things like that um I really love engaging with people on Instagram so that's the literary lobbyist on Instagram is where people can find me and for the publishing in your pajamas conference is publishing in your pajamas.com Again, if you go to that website, you'll see the lineup, you'll see the speakers, and then you could just send me um, a direct message if you're interested in uh, in having the replay. The replay is um, is $97, and like I said, it is just under nine hours of content that you can watch repeatedly, covering everything from children's books, memoirs, to promoting a book on Instagram, and more. So yeah, I want people to keep in touch. Like anybody, you know someone that wants to write a book, and um, I offer consultations. So even if you have a friend who has a birthday coming up and she's been talking about wanting to write a book, you can reach out to me and say, I would like to give her a gift certificate so that she can stop talking to me and talk to you. <laughs> I, do, I, I, do, I do that as well. I offer a gift certificate. So during the holiday season, a lot of people have um, usually do that, like for gifts and, and birthday gifts. Valentine's Day, I've had husbands get gift certificates for their wives who want to write memoirs and things of that nature. So that's something I offer as well. Awesome. So you guys heard that here for a little over $10 an hour. Mm -hmm. You can get your own start in getting your own memoir or book, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. Start it in 2020. That's right. Just go to publishing in your pajamas.com. Dot com. So thanks again, Don. We, gosh, guys, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I know this is one to be replayed. Like it was so much just what Don shared today. It's just, it was just filled with so much. I feel like I have to listen to this at least three or four times just to catch every (laughs) nugget that was dropped. I'm going to let you finish. And and my, my, one other thing I just keep, I'm picking up off of um, Dawn is her energy. Her energy is super high and I love that. And so this makes me even more excited about like meeting up with her in person in 2020 oh, because your energy you so is, People yes. say that all the time. People I love say, it. Oh my God, 
have such high energy. Like I've done interviews at eight in the morning, and the, and the producers like, okay, you have sound like you have been up for hours. I was like, no, just <laughs> <laughs> got up thirty minutes ago. I just rolled over. I love it. I love it. I love it. Go ahead, Yana. I'm sorry. No, I, I don't really have much to say. She's, I, I'm, I'm just full. And I've learned so much because I, when I tell you this is an area where I'm very ignorant in, I just have zero knowledge. No, I'm just saying as far as how publishing and and all that type, different type of stuff works. And I've just learned a lot um, from the, just this interview right here. So thank you, Don. Thank you for saying yes. I'm glad to I'm glad to be of service, and I really appreciate both of you ladies for extending your platform to me so that I'm able to share. Um, because for me, like that, that's really what it's about. Like, especially being on a podcast called Melanated Conversations, I know that it's going to be women of color, people of color who are going to listen to this. And my heart is always with them mm-hmm. to make sure that they get the information that they need so that they can find publishing success. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> well, you said it there for us. Yes, you did. Thank you so much for allowing us to amplify your voice and so many other, you know, beautiful voices of black women. Yes. And uh, we always like to say we like to share our lessons and celebrate our successes. That's right. So I feel like we successfully did that today. Amen. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, you're always welcome back. So Definitely. when it's time to, you know, get published in your pajamas. I know, pajamas when I become an author. Yes. <laughs> yes. Author. yes. 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 This e Come on. Yes. Come on now. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. All right. Well, yeah. friends. I know you guys are hating that we have to wrap now. I we know. are too, because we can continue on because there's so much. Yes. I know there's so much more that Don could share, but we don't want her to share too much. Give her all her knowledge for free. Right. We, get but, it, <laughs> we get it in the ebook. Wait till the e-book. book comes yes, out. Yes. Then, you know, yeah. <laughs> call me soon to you. All right. But um, we're going to go ahead and wrap for today. And of course, until then, melanate on that. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our chat today. Keep the conversation going by heading to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leaving us a review. Have a story of your own to share? Email us at info at melanatedconversations.com or connect with us on social media at Melanated Conversations. Till next time, keep raising your voice. voice.